0: Welcome back to Mindfeed. You're here with me, Nora Casey, and today is all about the power of music. And I'm joined by a man who proves how great music lasts the test of time. In 1973, Adam Clayton bought an acoustic guitar. It was £5, the old Irish punts, from a junk shop down near the Dublin Keys somewhere. And he began playing bass guitar two years later, and the rest, as they say, is history. He's the bass guitarist with legendary U2, and he's a great ambassador for mental health issues and young people. Adam, I know you're in town to launch Walk in My Shoes. It's happening next Friday, May the 9th. But what inspired you to get involved?
1: Um, I, I think when I started to look at some of the statistics of how many people it affects, and particularly young people, um, I think it's, it's one in four or one in five, depending on what surveys. And, you know, that's about four croak parks. Um, and mm. that's an awful lot of people. Um, and yet the data suggests that if, if, if people get treatment... Uh, under the age of 24 they can they can have a full recovery so this is really for me about awareness um, it's about letting people know that if they are suffering from any of these um, mental health issues that they need to, to seek out help and that it, w- it will be effective and it is there for them
0: and Adam when I met you the first year when we launched um, your mum had passed away the previous year and you told me that she used to work for Sympaths. she did a lot of fundraising for them
1: yeah, my my mum uh, was was drawn to this very much herself, and and she did help fundraise for them, and uh, it was just a, a strange coincidence that um, it came back around for me. And I just thought, you know, I I, I want to get involved in this.
0: And is it because you can make a difference? There are so many causes out there that you could get involved in. Is it uniquely Irish? Is it something that you feel you yourself can make a difference in?
1: It, it's it's uniquely Irish and. I think I really identify with, with, with these people because they are what, what we would call the rock audience um, and they're where we came from. And we were just lucky or I was just lucky that, that I ended up in a band with some great people that supported me um, and I found music very therapeutic early on. Um, th- these people are full of potential and it's terrible to see kind of wasted um, talents.
0: Yes, I have one of them myself, 15-year-old, uh, who, believe you me, tells me non-stop about how unimportant school is. And you grew up during the 70s in the recession. Were you good at school or were you a bit of a brat?
1: I was a hopeless case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was an absolute brat. And I still scratch my head sometimes and wonder how I got to where I am <laughs> now. You know, to to have come from North Dublin with 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 not one piece of education to my name. <laughs> um, I, I was very lucky. I don't recommend it for anyone else.
0: Well, how far did your rebellious streak run? I know your parents bought you the bass guitar at 15, which I think is very redeeming of them. But were you ever, you know, did you get suspended from school? Or
1: uh, I, I did actually get asked to leave from a couple of schools. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, I did my, my inter and got really very bad grades in English and art um, and I never did I never did my leaving so uh, I'm not a great example um, of anything other than perhaps just pure determination and awkwardness
0: Okay, so let's hope that no teenagers listening to you at the moment studying for their (laughs) leaving cert and their junior cert. You talk all the time about music being your saviour When you think back to that time you know, during your teenage years what kind of music did you lock out the world to?
1: Um, it, at that time, it was very much punk music, which was was created or, or you know, it, it, there was an explosion of punk in 1976, 1977, in, both in, in England and in Ireland. And it suddenly felt like the music that represented our generation, which was, you know, 17 and 18 year olds at that time.
0: And did you want your music to, to differentiate from that when you did start playing? I
1: think when we started to to write songs, we wanted to push that further because at the time, that music came very much out of the frustration of um, the recession in the economy in in Europe and America at the time and the three-day week uh, and very, very high unemployment. And that was an aspect of where we were coming from because there were no jobs in Ireland at the time. But I think we wanted to try and Move things along on a more spiritual, emotional basis as well.
0: Do you think you still lean on music, or have you moved to other forms of support? You got married last year to Mariana. Is stability in your life? Does it help you not to not to lean on the music as much?
1: Uh, I think music is still uh, a mysterious, magical um, alchemy for me. Um, in some ways, my limitations as a musician. Uh, it creates the strength, which is that I'm I'm always fascinated by it. I'm a little like the goldfish swimming around in the bowl. It it always sounds new to me, um, whatever whatever music is popular at any given time.
0: What do you feel then, Adam? About you know, I suppose schools and curriculums. You know, I feel we grew up in an Ireland where music was so important to most of our households, but we've lost a lot of that for our young people. I,
1: I think people listen to music very differently now. I, I mean, when I was was growing up. Uh, music was like watching the news. It, it gave you information. It told you what was going on in, in the wider world. Um, and, of course, there's now this thing called the Internet, which does exactly the same thing. Mm. And, and music is almost a background to people people being online. Uh, and it's, it's a different relationship. I mean, I, I'm saddened by that, but you can't do anything about it. it it's progress, and it will become something else.
0: Adam, is there a point when I suppose this is kind of a hard question because you know you've talked all the time about music and how important it was to you and what support it gave you, but but during the eighties and nineties when, you know, you're catapulted to fame with you two, was there a point when it became the cause of some of the pressures on you perhaps?
1: I think the 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 very fast rise which happened in, in about eighty seven, eighty eight, where the band was number one uh, in America and, and in something like 30 countries around the world, um, with the Joshua Tree, which I think is being celebrated actually this week, um, um, it, 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 it was hard to cope with, and there's no, no denying that. And perhaps it took 10 years to adjust to being that kind of... Fameless is, is almost the wrong word, but certainly being that recognizable... Um, and, and to, to a large majority of, of young people. And it was just an odd, it's an odd... It's an odd responsibility, let's put it that way.
0: In Ireland, we have a very difficult relationship with drink, and you're somebody who's conquered your own relationship with alcohol. You've talked about the fact that you're a happy ex-drinker. Does it lead to many of the problems we see in mental health?
1: Um, I, I think it's generally a symptom. I mean, I, in my case, I was... Kind of aware, but without understanding the language of it. I I was aware that that I used drinking to escape um, quite early on. And I always thought, well, I'll be all right. I'll I'll, I'll be able to handle it. Um, But, of course, alcohol feeds back on itself as it is a a depressive. um, And it also uh, leads to risky behavior, which creates more problems. And it
0: magnifies sometimes the issues around depression for young people. I think, um, you know, when we look at the shocking statistics around alcohol and young people in Ireland, what is clear at the moment is that quite a lot of them don't drink just to do what the French do, which is to have a little glass of wine with your dinner. They drink to get drunk.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a whole other issue, our, our attitude as a nation towards alcohol. Um, but I, I do think what I've learned uh, in, in my experience is that really two or three drinks is kind of enough. Um, it... it creates a change in, in the psychology and physiology of someone. And that's not the way Irish people drink. You know, they're just getting started. Um, and I enjoyed it and I had fun with it. But I realise now, looking back, that it wasn't responsible drinking.
0: What needs to be fixed, Adam, I suppose? What would be your own aspirations, you know, your own vision for mental health services in Ireland? Why do we get it wrong?
1: Um, I, I think we're probably doing the best that we can. Um Obviously, in certain areas, it's, it's underfunded, um, but there is a, an enormous stigma um, uh, in, in many ways to anyone admitting to having a mental health issue, uh, whether it's from family members, employers, or society in general. And until we, we create an environment where we can encourage people to be honest about what they're feeling and what they're going through and support them through the process of getting help, um, things are going to change very slowly.
0: For young people out there listening, um, I suppose, you know, I'm um, a business person myself, you were a manager at one point of you too. How did that sit? Was it comfortable for you? Were you a natural leader in the early days? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I had I had strong ambition, greater ambition than, than sense. So I had this energy that, that uh, only, only, people between the ages of 16 and, and 28 probably have. Um, I, I probably, looking back now, I don't feel like I'm a natural leader, um, and I'm not a very good business person, but i I had the energy to change something back then, and that was what I wanted to be involved in.
0: And I suppose during a period when we're going through another recession and values are beginning to change, how important, you know, I I work with a lot of creative people, you know, artists and people who sort of at the high end of chefing and designers. And to them, sometimes they lose their business because they're so involved in the creative process. It's so important to them. It's almost far more important than the business side. Is that what still remains important to you?
1: I I find the creative side a much more interesting journey and conversation to be engaged in. Um, My own experience uh, of going back to formal education is, you know, the idea that two and two will always be four no matter what is a disappointment and slightly (laughs) dull to me. You know, I think two and two should sometimes be five or um, eight or whatever.
0: I have to ask you if you're being creative at the moment because everyone's waiting the 13th album and Ten Reasons to Exist, I think, is the working title. Are you involved in the creative process at the moment? Do you feel it's not ready, it's not perfect just yet?
1: Um, we're very much in the process of, of finishing it up and, and we want to have it sort of um, done by, by the summer. But that said, I don't want to announce anything until it's actually finished. And, and it's it's our strong hope and intention to to have it available, but before the end of the year.
0: And best of luck on May the 9th for walking my shoes. The last time I, I walked, you were wearing Le Bouton shoes, studded ones, which That's I think right. you were proudly boasting you wore on your birthday the week before. Um, what are you going to be wearing this year?
1: Um, I, I have some Jimmy shoes this year, which I'm, <laughs> I'm going to show off.
0: You're a slave to the designers. I am, I'm afraid. (laughs) Adam Clayton, thank you so much for joining us on the programme. And we'll be tweeting out and making sure that people get out there and walk in mismatched shoes on May the 9th for Walk In My Shoes.